Hello, and welcome to Two Houses, a podcast about two people living with DID. I'm Jamie. And I'm Vader. And we are here today to talk about the third episode of Many Sides of Jane, which is an A&E show that follows a woman who has DID. Yeah. And this episode is titled Alexis versus Jane. That it is. Yeah, and it's exactly what it's about. Jane is the host. She's 28 years old. And Alexis is her 17-year-old teenager part. Mm-hmm. And they have very conflicting views. So the first thing really is about conflicts between alters. We have a lot to say. Yeah, I mean, Jane is in the beginning stages of really getting to know her alters. And there's going to be naturally a lot of conflict um i know for us um in the beginning i wouldn't say that there was a ton of conflict but it eventually got to a ton of conflict um and i think that that was maybe a year or so down the road of being aware of our did and being aware of everyone because you start to um, know these people in ways that you didn't and you know there's going to be these conflicts that come up about what somebody would like to see happen in their life and what this person would like to see happen um, what this person can handle what this person can't handle and you know, it's just like this huge spectrum of things to compete with. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's like there's a competition going on inside. Like, no, my idea is actually really good. We should be doing it. Whereas everybody feels that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think for systems, like, it is challenge in the very beginning to really zero in on that and try to learn how to work together because the goal is to be a functional person you know the goal is to have this consistency and stability in your life because like for us as we mentioned like I think it was about the first episode or something that it's a difference between chaos and then difficult. Mm-hmm. And before you find out, it's just chaos because everybody's trying to do things and it feels like you can't get anywhere. And it's because there's that constant conflict going on. Now when you become aware of all those parts, it becomes a very noticeable and identifiable conflict. Mm-hmm. So... In this one, it's it's about Alexis and Jane and the different um, the different approach that they have to life, and how Jane wants to challenge herself as an individual to do certain things that you know Alexis is naturally great at. Right. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um... I can speak to the fact that I used to be the Alexis in the situation. So I, for a very long time, was 16 years old in the system. And now I'm 30. Um, Alters can age. Um, Sometimes they age year by year. 
Sometimes they don't age, and sometimes it can be quite sudden, and it can jump up quite a few years. And that was me. And so I was 16 for a very long time, even when we were in our 20s. And so I would be the part that, you know, can relate to Alexis in terms of energy, in terms of I know what I want and I'm going to get it. She has that very same feeling to her. And um, I know that you can sit on the other side of this. What would you say about that? Um, well, I mean, ever since I've become host, a lot of... A lot of my my way of dealing with things is that it is what I want. So, well, you're the host. Since I'm yeah, since I'm the host, it's about what I think is best for our consistency and stability in life. Mm-hmm. And so I do find myself holding back a lot of um a lot of other people's hobbies and interests because, and it's something that I'm working on, that allowance for my parts to express themselves that in ways that they want to because it's important. But best believe it is, it is in my nature to, to not let that happen. And that sounds really bad. And I feel like I'm wording it. And you are working on it. And like I said, I'm working on it. Yeah. It's in progress. Just because, okay, so it's it's because I've seen the conflict. I've seen what, because for a while I was in, I wasn't the host. Mm-hmm. And I've seen what that conflict looks like. And that's that chaos. And so in my, my struggle is that if I allow all my parts to and even the smallest form like express themselves or do something that they're interested in I feel like it's about to get chaotic it's and a fear we're, we're not going to be able to stay on track yeah so. it's a fear and uh, I don't think you're alone in that I think a lot of systems go through that so I wouldn't feel too bad about it you're working on it all I can say is I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, all you can say. That's all anyone can do. That's my journey, you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Alexis aspect kind of brings the idea, uh, which I think we have mentioned in a former episode about the teenager aspect, the teenager energy. And uh, being a teenager in an adult body is hard. Yeah. <clears throat> but in the documentary, they kind of get some quotes from a therapist and a psychologist And one thing that the psychologist says is that it's important for parts like Alexis to exist. Yeah. Because they are fancy free. Because they can enjoy life. And they can just feel as though they're a normal person. They kind of give that room of feeling like you could breathe. Yeah. Because, like, Stacy Mm -hmm. and even Trin, Mm -hmm. like, she's changed, but... Stacy and Trin, when they're out, they can provide this sense of feeling free. Yeah. Um, just because everything is just so, like, whatever. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, as... Um... They're there for the, the moment. They're there for mm-hmm. the experience. They're there just to have fun. Yeah, which is sorely needed in a DID system because Lord knows a lot of us are not having fun. there's a lot of trauma there's a lot of sadness there's a lot of struggle it's stressful and it's just nice sometimes to have somebody be like all right well fuck that you know i'm gonna go have fun for a little while we're gonna forget our problems it's kind of like they come out to just be like you know what you need to go chill yeah and i know how to do that so absolutely and part of um alexis's deal is she doesn't do feelings that's been mentioned yeah and part of what was interesting um, was when she was talking about therapy, she said that once you feel something, it's inevitable to not feel more. And that is very abhorrent to her. She doesn't like that. But she's on her own personal journey in therapy mm-hmm. and in life. And um, so she's kind of changing. Even though she's still this bubbly social person, she's changing. And you mentioned that Trent has changed. Yeah. Um, I would say that the direction I see Alexis going in is very similar to the journey that Trin's been on, which is she, when she first came out, when Trin first came out, she was very bubbly and, you know, happy-go-lucky, fun-fancy-free, and over time our life had to change and that seriousness that came into being an adult it really was something she struggled with Mm -hmm. and she also couldn't do those serious conversations she couldn't do those i remember that yeah like like those adult things that we have to face it was very difficult for her at first to be able to retain it. Yeah. I wonder somewhat whether that was the rest of the system trying to protect her from feelings. But ultimately, regardless of that, she couldn't have those conversations. Yeah. It, it was unrelatable to her. She was happy and free. Exactly. And that's not how life really works. No. Unfortunately. And Alexis is learning to be, I think she called herself the babysitter. She called herself like the fun aunt. The fun aunt of Jane's two kids. Yeah. So she's very attentive. She loves them. She will have fun with them. She doesn't see herself as their mother, but she sees herself as a a guardian. Yeah. And so that's an area of um, like responsibility for her that she's coming into. And she takes pride in it. She does. She takes it very seriously. And I think that that is what... It seems like that's what's kind of, like, fueling her journey. And the reason why she's talking to the therapist. Because she knows that it's important. Because she's not... She's very smart. Mm -hmm. You know? She understands what's happening. And why it's important. Um... No, she's she's a very intelligent girl. Yeah. Like, Stacy, I'm going to bring her into this part. She is somebody who also does not like talking about feelings. Very true. And it's not 
necessarily because she she can't it's because she finds it pointless do you think that she'd agree with the quote that once you feel something it's inevitable to not feel more yeah i think she definitely resonated with that quote so she'd rather just not start it don't start the ball rolling yeah basically yeah but like she on a lot of things she feels like there's no point to even dig into it because it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't solve anything. It's just feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I've observed that in Stacy and we've talked about it too. Um, but I also see her growing. Yeah. I think she's, she's toying with the idea of talking about feelings and understanding that part of her that does feel yeah and that's a big step yeah it's a big step for anyone and it's a big step for any part in a did system getting in touch with your feelings when you are essentially created in trauma it's a dangerous road a lot of things are going to come up that are painful yeah and if you know that ahead of time and you choose to go down that path you're extremely brave in my opinion yeah, because because you see when people talk about their feelings and they process things, you see how they change. Mm. And I think that for any of us over here, like change is very scary. Mm-hmm. None of us are like completely comfortable with change, and when it seems like something is going to change ourselves in a way that is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like we've never seen like we've never felt like it was a possibility so when it does seem like there's that possibility to be free and communicate these things it's scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that fear of not knowing what you're going to look like on the other side Well, yeah, and a lot of that, I think, is rooted in childhood trauma because a lot of households with dysfunctional families, you don't talk about your problems. You keep it in, you push it down, you, like, don't feel because feeling isn't safe. So that's a big thing to learn as an adult, just for anybody. But certainly it's a little more complicated with DID because you have to go through every person individually yeah it's not like one person opens up about their feelings and everybody does at the same time it's like each person is a new um situation yeah so stacy by herself is working on this whereas some of you have achieved it more and some of you are not even there yet yeah so yeah it's um it's a little more complex there's a lot of people in there who need their own personal journey And, um, yeah, for me, I was 16 for a very long time and I didn't want to have feelings. I was terrified of growing up. I was terrified of feeling things and recognizing pain and admitting that anything had happened to me. Uh, and it was a hard thing to actually come to terms with and it was not easy. And I definitely empathize with people who are going through that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that happened in the episode was Jane had written a poem Mm -hmm. and apparently she writes poetry 
to kind of get out her feelings, which isn't uncommon uh, for people with DID to have these artistic um, talents. Certainly, Hikari knows how to write poetry, and uh, so do I, and our poetry is very different. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday I'll do a poetry slam there we go. <laughs> <laughs> on here, and you guys can hear some of my amazing work. But, <laughs> yeah, um, it's a way of expressing yourself. And so Jane had written a poem, and Alexis wanted to be the one to go to the poetry slam and um, recite it. Because Alexis likes attention. Yeah. In Jane's words, um, Alexis likes to be the center of attention. Right. And Jane really wanted this experience for herself. Mm -hmm. Jane wanted to read her poetry on stage in front of everybody, despite the fact that she knew Alexis would feel so much more comfortable with doing it. And... You know, I can understand that, like, that struggle of wanting to challenge yourself as an individual, even though you know somebody can do it better. Um, And it's that trying to prevent that switch from happening because you want this for yourself. You want this experience for yourself. Um, And it goes through this whole process in the episode where Jane purposely doesn't put on makeup because alexis likes makeup exactly um but the closer they get to like they're outside of where they're going to do the poetry reading um turns out alexis had snuck in some makeup into her bag (laughs) and um so sneaky and that switch began to happen and alexis started to take over and you know it's very much like she's just so stressed out and I can just I'm super fine with it so I don't get why she just won't let me do it it's such a teenager move though too because she wasn't really thinking about Jane's feelings no she just really wanted to get up on stage which she doesn't get to do very often yeah and so it was it was kind of selfish but understandable at her age I would have done the same thing yeah but yeah, the whole experience of trying to prevent a switch, um, have had that experience a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I'm I'm a pretty strong presence. I'm a very difficult person to override. I suppose when I'm out, it's unlikely that somebody else will be able to overpower that. And I, I don't say that in a proud way. It it just simply is a fact, and I don't think it's good or bad. It just happens to be the case. And, um, so a lot of times in our past, Hikari, who's a much quieter and, um, like, shyer person, um, would want to do things, and then at the last minute, she would get very overwhelmed or scared, and I would come out. hmm Or, um, Valentine, who, you know, was in a relationship... And was trying to have just a conversation with this person. But I was better suited to it because she was telling silly stories, uh, obnoxious stories from our childhood. And I came out because it was more comfortable for me, even though she wanted to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. It was just, um, 
I feel like Alexis is very much that strong presence as well. She's just naturally, it's easier for her to come to the front. Yeah. And Jane's fighting it. And I think that's, that's something to point out about Alexis is, I mean, she hasn't said this about herself, but I would consider her a fronter. Yeah. Um, and a fronter is that, that strong presence that can just be, you know, they have that stamina and comfortability with being out in the world that other people may not feel so comfortable with. It can be overstimulating. It can be loud. It can be just stressful, you know, um, but because Jane and then Jane is in therapy and she's wanting to grow within inside herself. She really wanted this experience and she did. She got it. She got it. She took over and was able to bring Alexis back and she did it with the makeup on and everything. And Jane got to read her poem. And Jane got to read her poem and she was very, she was very proud of that. I was proud of her. Yeah. It's not different. I mean, it's not easy. No. Um... So that was a small triumph. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice to see that the person who actually put in the work got the recognition. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, another thing that was really important in this episode is they try to get a job. Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> Which is another thing that Jane wanted to do for herself. Right. She wanted to do the job interview. She wanted to <clears throat> she wanted to work. She you know, and in our society having a job is like this, um I think it's this like sort of what do you call it? Like standard or um It's like a bar to to meet. It's like yeah, a bar to meet that's like this is you being an adult. Yeah. Exactly. This is you having a functional life is by holding down a job and for people with DID it can be extremely complicated and challenging because there's so many different parts at play Mm. and there's so much that has to go on behind closed doors while you're interacting with your job and you know so much navigating it's a lot of navigating so I can get into that a little bit, like, farther down, but, um, <clears throat> so yeah, the job interview, Jane starts out, mm-hmm. and she's doing a fine job. Yeah, she's doing great, um, but then Alexis came out, mm-hmm. because she wanted, she wanted this job, you know, Alexis wanted this job at this bar, and she... She's super bubbly. She's super likable. And the guy said at the end, I like your personality. I'll hire mm-hmm. you. Yeah. You know, which is probably just reinforcing what Alexis believes, you know, which yeah. is that, you know, she's better suited to the job. Um, which I think Jane would have done fine. I think she would have done fine. Absolutely. <clears throat> so what happens is they go to their first day of work. And it all kind of falls apart. Yeah. 
essentially what happens is um, the bartender during their training um, triggers Beth because this person reminds them of an abuser in their life. Right. And um, so it shows this challenge that's happening with Jane in regards to not letting Beth be seen because they're in this situation that's like you're trying to keep it still covert you know Beth can't just come out and start communicating and start at an adult job at an adult job she's 10 and she's scared and she's traumatized in that moment and um, to see a traumatized child appear while somebody's, you know, you're just trying to train for your job, it makes it not so covert, yeah. you know, it's not safe, people will see it. Yeah, and then you just feel vulnerable, and you're like, oh my god, can people tell? Is, it, is everyone seeing what I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I keep this together? How do I bring this back into act normal yeah and uh we uh our system doesn't currently work but when we were working uh lord were there triggers there were triggers every single day and we were way less in control of our um, system at the time and i can absolutely relate to that um experience that jane and beth and everybody were having because the the little ones were getting triggered in our job, and it was almost impossible to keep that under wraps. Mm-hmm. And we currently work, and it's a high-stress job. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, should, should I go more into it? or? Um, yeah, if you want to. Alright, so, I don't know, it was just kind of like a... A thought that, like, if Jane and Alexis kind of co-opt this job. With co-consciousness. With co-consciousness. I think that things would have, like, I think it would be perfect. Because they both have such a drive, you know. They're both so likable, perfect for that <clears throat> environment. Like being a, in food service, being a server. Mm-hmm. Um the bubbly aspect, the social aspect, and just the kindness of Jane as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been a great thing, but I don't know how well they can co-op. I don't know yet. As of right now, we it doesn't seem like there's much co-op. Yeah. Um, for me, I have that co-consciousness. Yeah. And I have a group of males mm-hmm. that can function at work and they are the um the continuity and consistency that I bring to work Mm -hmm. but but there's co-consciousness you guys can be in the driver's seat together and it's pretty seamless yeah which um for Jane and Alexis there's a full switch or nothing you know, like, there's, yeah. it's either one or the other. They can't share the, the spotlight, which is difficult and um, is often the case in early days. Mm-hmm. I think it takes, for it took for us, like, years and years to be able to learn um, co-consciousness. 
And even now, it's not 100%. So, um, there was a, a lot of um, frustration and stress around this job to begin with. Yeah. Because working when you have DID and certainly when you're still trying to work with your parts and get to know them, that's very, very stressful. Yeah. I mean, you're stressed out at your job even after years of doing it. Yeah. And after years of therapy. Um, it can be very, very stressful to have a job when you have DID. And that's the boat we find ourselves in as a system is that we're not capable of work right now. Um, we kind of fell apart last time we were working and we are on disability now because we are incapable of working um and that may change in the future certainly some of us really would like that to change because i think that jane um says it near the end of the episode but something along the lines of feeling as though she's incompetent she just can't hold down a job and it makes her feel ashamed mm-hmm. it, she's ashamed of it and I could relate to that because we feel shame over not being able to do this as you said um, crucial aspect that sort of decides whether you're a functional adult or not Yeah. so it makes us feel very dysfunctional and incapable so what they focus on um Basically, well, what they decide to do, I found very interesting. Yeah. What would you say about that? Um, They decide to not continue their job there, Mm -hmm. which, you know, Alexis is really upset about because she really wanted that job. Right. And she wanted to feel like she had this aspect of her social life that was detached from, you know, motherhood and being an adult and, you know having to present as something that she never, she didn't really feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did this because they wanted, you know, they're, they're learning about each other. They're wanting to establish something that feels safe for all the parts. Yeah. So they decide not to do it, which um, is an interesting choice. Because for you guys, you do work and you do have um, at least one younger part who gets triggered sometimes. Yeah. But what do you do that maybe Jane isn't capable of doing yet? Not yeah. a judgment there. She's early on in therapy. But yeah. what do you do to counteract that? Um, it's something that our therapist definitely pretty quick, like pretty early on in our therapy sessions with her... Um, wanted us to focus in on telling our little that, you know, she is safe. She is no longer in this traumatic situation and that we, we have her back and that we wouldn't make decisions that would put her in harm's way. And just kind of establishing that trust between her and the adult parts because, we needed to be able to, I mean, like, having a job has been survival for us. Mm-hmm. Like, we've only gotten to where we needed to be because 
we could rely on ourselves to hold down a job. Right. And that was like, as long as we can do that, then we will survive. Right. We'll be able to escape and be free. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <laughs> before we found out about our DID, it was chaos at work because so many parts were switching in and out and some of them can handle the stress some of them can't and it's not a fluid presentation it's not a fluid presentation and so nowadays like some of us may not like the job but we know that it has to be performed and there are several of you that are completely capable of it even though there are several of you who aren't Exactly. And, and so we just kind of like make sure that those parts that are not capable of it are not in the pa- the driving seat. Right. And again, that can really only happen when you have a pretty strong co-consciousness and control. Control. Now, it's not perfect. God knows. I mean, it's DID. It's still just as unpredictable, but to the best of our ability, we definitely try to keep Rue, our little, out of the picture when it comes to a job because it's like you are a child and you don't have to worry about this. One of the first things our therapist, our first therapist did was try to help us with this because we were still working at the time. And uh, what she did is she had us envision a playroom. And she said, while you're working or while you're doing things that um, are adult-oriented, these children make sure that they're in the playroom. They're Mm -hmm. occupied. They have, and they did, they had somebody, uh, another part there with them, kind of like a babysitter. And it's like, they are safe. They are inside. They are not seeing what's going on outside. They're not going to switch out. So that was a really useful tool um, in that scenario. I'm not saying that it worked particularly well at that time because things were so chaotic. Mm-hmm. But the idea still stands, and I know that some people swear by it. Yeah. Now, it's only been really recently that I call it, like, the work group and then the non-work group Mm -hmm. and you know in our internal world we have a tower that is like our mainframe so Mm -hmm. whoever's in the tower is the one are the ones that are able to blend so there's a difference between like the rapid switching and blending um rapid switching is what we don't want to happen at work no or anywhere really or anywhere what we called the carousel (laughs) the rolodex we've mentioned it in other podcasts where people are just switching in and out so fast that it's disorienting. Yeah. That's not fun. That's not great. However, blending. Blending is just this ability to keep communicating. Like, everybody is working together to make sure the day runs smoothly. So at work, like, it's sort of all hands on deck to some degree. um, Where there's so much communication going on like between us to verbalize a freaking sentence that's like and we're a supervisor at our job Mm -hmm. so we have to lead this crew Mm -hmm. we have to determine breaks and lunches and make shot calls about what's important in that very moment and so 
we need to be in constant communication. And what you said about everybody kind of cooperating to even put a sentence together, um, I wanted to mention that it is very possible with somebody who's blending, who's co-conscious, for one person to be doing a task and another person is able to be the speaking part. Mm-hmm. So, like, one person's voice, um, like, for you guys, Devon, yeah. his voice is what's recognized at work. Yeah. So, somebody else like Ty or Jesus may be working, but Devon's voice is the one that is used because it's continuity. In fact, um, I know that people at your job have been confused to hear your voice. Yeah. I've definitely received comments like, um, are you sick? You yeah. Sound, you sound congested. Because your your voice is lower <laughs> than Devon's. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of an interesting thing that they would notice but not know what it is. Obviously. Exactly. So, yeah, that continuity is so important. And it's important. Um, this is why it's important to also get to know your alters extremely well because where their talents lie, you might need to pull them in even if you have this concrete like for me I have like this concrete work group Mm -hmm. like I consider it pretty concrete but there's times where um we may need to bring Colleen Mm -hmm. because we need her like uh like strength we need her like strength and her like focus Mm -hmm. um and that's just something that it's it's a risk when that happens because it also brings Anna closer to the front and Anna is not somebody who can work. No, she's not. Um so yeah, there's a lot of kind of like trying to keep the ball in the air. Exactly. Yeah. I mean just talking about it it's like you can see that like your coworkers don't know that this is what's happening. No. But when you're a person working with DID, this is absolutely what's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, you do it. You do it well. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of difficulty. And we can't do it. And we certainly weren't doing it well when we were working. But progress can be slow sometimes. And it's still progress. Yeah. Um, the thing that this episode ended on was the idea that... Maybe Alexis isn't being given enough credit. Yeah. Because she is learning to take care of the kids and be a responsible adult. She is trying to have a job. She is trying to contribute. And she's not just this party girl. She's not one thing. Just like I wasn't just, you know, a thoughtless jerk when I was 16 years old. I was also trying to keep everybody alive. Yeah. Um, that was the role I played and I was trying to keep us in survival. So this recognition that Alexis is more than what she originally seems is kind of what it ends on. Yeah. And I, I think that that is extremely, it was a powerful thing for that episode to end on Mm -hmm. because, you know, the title of the episode is Alexis vs. Jane. And by the end of it, it's not so much that it's a Alexis vs. Jane it's like that recognition of what they both bring to the picture yeah. and how we don't need to, that Jane can trust Alexis mm-hmm. more In than she ways. realized. Yeah. It's not a competition. Yeah. Like the title of the, the episode is that it's a competition. 
But it turns out at the end, they realize it doesn't have to be. And so, again, progress may be slow, but it's still progress. Um, I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, I did too. A lot of stuff came up, Mm -hmm. you know, just a lot. Absolutely. And it continues to. Every episode we watch, more stuff keeps coming up. And um, I think as Elle said, this show is relatable to me as a person who has DID. I'm learning things. Not just about the alters in the show, but recognizing our own journey as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. On that note, we'll end it, and we'll get back to you with episode four. And thank you for listening. Thank you.